0: Welcome to today's episode of Clayton's HSC Business. Today we'll be focusing on operations strategies. We'll be going through the syllabus and at the end of each syllabus dot point you will hear this sound. Please feel free to ask any questions by just doing it through the podcast and I will try and get any answers to you as soon as possible. Hope you enjoy this and find this useful to help with your operations strategies. So we're going to start with our performance objectives. So to get a competitive advantage, a business may focus on highest quality goods and services, faster speed, higher productivity, being dependable, being more flexible, offering customization and producing at the lowest cost. Quality. So quality performance objectives relate to the physical good or service and also to the process used to produce. So for any business, the quality objective is to provide customers with a product or service that they need that meets their expectations. And there's many dimensions to quality that customers will have expectations about. These include conforming to specifications. So ensuring the product actually matches up to what it was designed to do. Performance. So how well the product does what it claims. Durability, so how long the product lasts. Features, which include options, any variations, after-sales service. Reliability, so whether the product always performs the same. Which leads to consistency, that every product has the same predictable quality. Aesthetics, so how good the product looks and feels. So for example, is it a beautiful design? Serviceability is also important. So how easy and convenient it is to perform maintenance and repairs. And finally service, so how well the customer is treated, the promptness and the attention to detail. Speed. So speed's an objective because it relates to productivity. And productivity is generally measured in output per unit of time. So an example would be if there's a car manufacturer, they may achieve an output of 15,000 finished cars in 30 days. But the factory might have a limited amount of equipment and can't hire more staff. So by keeping all other inputs the same and increasing the speed of production, the business then calculates that it can reach its target. So how can we improve speed of operations? Well, we can use CAD, CAM, robotics. The Internet's increased the speed of service delivery, particularly in banking and finance. There's faster speed in operations, and this reduces the lead time between the order and the delivery. But with most things, there's a limit to this. There's a limit to speed as an objective as other issues arrive. So the other parts of the production process must be able to keep up with this. And a way of remembering this, a production line can only move at the speed of its slowest machine. Dependability. So dependability would be classed as the reliability of the product or the service. So how well the product is designed and made affects how long the product works to the standard that's expected by us. So some brands would have a strong reputation for dependability their product will always deliver what the marketing promises. So an example would be Rolex watches and Mercedes cars. Flexibility. So flexibility is the ability of operations to switch easily and quickly to a new model of a good to meet, a change in the market, or it could just be a change in the customer's wants and needs. This also includes flexibility in volume. And that's how quickly operations changes from producing a few products as a low volume producer to being a high-volume producer, where they increase output. This could be for increasing demand for products or services. So the demand for product changes according to the product lifecycle. So as a good would enter the growth phase, a business needs the flexibility to match the increase in demand and avoid a stockout. So it wants to avoid a stockout because that's the business running out of inventory. Customization. So customization is how quickly a product can be redesigned to produce a unique good or service which matches the customer's desires. This can be challenging as a business may not have the appropriate inputs or they might not have the right technology. There are limits on what equipment or existing technology is capable of. And a business with a focus on customization needs to be closely contacting their customers. They must understand their needs and they must link this to when they're designing their specifications. Therefore, a unique product can be made. Customisation does usually command a higher price as well. Cost. Efficiency is a key objective of operations and the cost objectives want to keep costs as low as possible. So costs have to be carefully managed and data is collected and analysed as a result of this. So when you have lower costs, obviously that leads to improved profit margins, which gives the business more revenue. A key way to measure costs is to use efficiency ratios and average costs. So efficiency ratios, such as the operating expense ratio, determine how much it costs the business in terms of operations to make a dollar of sales. So you'll be looking at this later on in finance. Costs are also allocated to different parts of operations. So raw materials, maintenance costs, power, inventory and waste make these up. So the costs of inventory may be calculated using different methods like LIFO and FIFO, which we'll be looking at later on. There's three ways costs are categorised. One is fixed, and these don't change as output changes. Semi-fixed, where the parts are fixed and the parts are variable, so power bills may be split into standard charges, excess power charges. And variable, they do change as output changes, and an example of this is raw materials. So costs can also be direct and indirect. And what we use is break-even analysis to determine the point in which a business starts to make a profit, which you looked at in year 11. A business can reduce its costs by lowering the break-even point so it can start making a profit sooner. New product or service design and development. So often you can extend the life cycle by adding more features. A business that would have the capability to integrate leading-edge technologies with skills and innovative ideas generally could be a market leader. So Apple has a long-term competitive advantage in computing and smartphones, although Samsung is a strong competitor. So the Apple iPad was a really good example. So when it was released, it sold 1 million units within 28 days. It may be the situation that out of 50 products initially proposed, only one reaches the market to be a commercial success. So there's a lot that it takes to be successful. Supply Chain Management Suppliers need to be found that can provide the most appropriate inputs at the best price. They also need to reliably supply the required quantity with the best quality. So with the growth of the Australian economy, there's far more globalisation and a lot of our inputs are imported from overseas. So you need to know the lead time for each supplier. So manufacturing and service businesses need to have well-organised supply chains. So the shorter the lead time, the more flexible the purchasing becomes. So there's a lot of factors affecting a business location, including the availability and cost of transport, the perishability of outputs and distance to markets. Availability of labour is also important. But many businesses don't actually own or control their source of raw materials or their distribution channels. So businesses don't always choose the cheapest supplier, but obviously they will try and get value for money and they will need a reliable supply. So supply chain management includes the coordination of all these businesses. So goods and services are delivered to the customers in the quickest, dependable and most cost effective manner. So during the 1990s, there was much more specialisation of manufacturing, and people then began to outsource the management of their supply chain. Mm -hmm. Vertical integration. So a new industry developed around organising and planning supply, transport and communication systems for supply chain management. So instead of outsourcing, what a business may do to have greater control over their supply chain is vertically integrating. So backwards vertical integration involves purchasing a controlling interest in the business that actually originally supplied its inputs. So an example would be a meat industry purchasing the farm that their meat comes from so they've got better control over their supply chain. Logistics. Well, this is the transport of physical raw materials, inputs and the distribution of finished goods to markets. And the idea of this is to achieve an efficient, steady flow of material. So the manager of operations will need information finding out how long it takes for inputs to be physically transported from their source of origin, so where it came from, to the factory. And technology can help with this by creating efficiency. So automated warehouse trucks can replace the traditional forklift in the driver. These are independent, driven by a software program and guided by a laser, so there's a lot of efficiency there. E-commerce, so this identifies the use of the internet to buy and sell goods and services. Consumer attitudes have changed towards virtual shopping and there's been a big increase in e-tailing or online retailing, and a lot of businesses decide to outsource this to IT experts. So e-commerce uses EDI, electronic data interchange, email, real-time conversations with suppliers and customers, and exchange data and information. The internet is a 24-hour promotion. So inventory management can be improved with e-commerce as an email to a supplier is automatically generated when the inventory levels are low. So this does improve efficiency and can encourage just-in-time inventory management. Global sourcing. So resources and raw materials aren't available everywhere and their location does influence where a business chooses to locate their manufacturing, their assembly, whether they use foreign parts and components. So it may be more cost-effective to buy the inputs rather than make them themselves. So once a global business has made this make-or-buy decision, they may also vertically integrate to source their inputs. So Global sources is finding the most cost-efficient location for their manufacturing. Many transnational corporations like Nike choose to outsource. They may have a global web of operations, so they look at the cost advantages, they exploit them, there may be cheaper resources. And global businesses that use this strategy must keep careful control over their supply chains. There's been a lot of talk over where Apple products are made in China and sweatshops in Asia for Nike products. So this causes a lot of controversy as well. So when the company follows a buy strategy, the business imports the inputs from an overseas supplier. This supplier will specialize in providing those inputs to a business. The supplier may also offer a good supply of high quality inputs at a discount price. So then a business can focus on their core business activity. Outsourcing. So this is the contracting out of a non-core business activity. So a business may want to focus on its main activity. So then it organises another business to provide a support service. This could be transport, logistics, components, materials, maintenance. And an impact of globalisation is that marketing conditions can change, which causes a rise in the cost of components. So your supply chain must be flexible so you don't lose an advantage from your outsourcing. Another impact of globalisation is the opportunity to outsource overseas. So IT, software, banking, administration have often been sent offshore to India. So in India, there's often a lot of less expensive but skilled and educated labour. So there's faster turnaround times. But there is a risk from offshoring that business can lose its knowledge and its capabilities. Technology so this is the equipment and knowledge available which helps businesses perform certain functions or make products. So this can result in the development of new methods of production or new equipment, and this helps businesses perform functions more quickly, and it often leads to lower costs too. So the manager weighs the costs of the upgrading technology against the long-term expected benefits. So when they're making this decision, they must take into account a lot of factors. These include the speed of change in that area, the technology their competitors are using, The costs of implementation and how easily it can be integrated into what they already have, whether there's finances available, how long it takes to introduce and finally, which is very important, whether staff need to be retrained or made redundant. (music) Leading edge. So in a competitive market many businesses seek to get a competitive advantage by being the first to develop the new technology. So having leading edge technology may be referred to as being on the cutting edge. One step further than this is bleeding edge. That's technology so new that there's a high level of uncertainty in using it. An example of this would be, in medicine, a tissue regenerating powder made from pig bladders called extracellular matrix. So that's a mix of protein, connective tissue, repairing tendons, and other human tissue. This may be used for regrowing lost limbs and damaged organs. (music) Established. Established technology has been tried and proven, and generally it's reliable and dependable. So there's three broad aims of the implementing of technology. To remove geographic barriers, to save time and money, and to give a business better control over operations. And types of established technology you would have heard of include CAD, CAM, and robotics. Computer modelling software is used to integrate all parts of operations to find cost savings. So office technology like business intranet, smartphones, FPOS, do give faster service delivery. Other examples of established technology would be project management software, electronic data interchange. You'd also get computer modeling or project management software used to create Gantt charts, critical path analysis. Software such as Microsoft Project allows them to precisely plan and schedule operations. Inventory management. So the terms inventory and stock are used interchangeably, but both refer to transformed resources. So if it's a service-based business, a queue of customers would represent the inventory. For a good-based business, it would be the warehousing, which could be very expensive. Inventory could be 30 to 50% of the total assets of a business. So the business needs to hold enough to meet demand, but not too much. Technology has made inventory management much more efficient as businesses use barcodes, barcode readers, and they know the exact location of their stock. Why do businesses control inventory? So they do this so they don't accumulate dead stock. They identify slow moving stock for discounting and deletion. So they they ensure that fast moving items move. They do hold some stock. They identify any losses from theft or from damage. And management also looks at the time needed for supplies to be delivered, freight costs, perishability, any seasonal patterns in demand, costs of handling and packaging which are obviously important. They also need to know what stage of the product life cycle the good is. So what's the trend in the size of the market? What's the inventory turnover? Is it a low profit margin fast selling item or a high profit margin slow selling item? Again, is it perishable and what is the use by date? So these are really, really important. How much storage space is available? What type of funds are used? Can they reduce financial costs by maybe using a commercial bill, an overdraft, using a business credit card? What security or special storage arrangements are required? So all of these things are really important. Holding stock. So holding stock, it's also known as just-in-case or buffer stock. So, a business would hold a certain level of stock as a reserve. So, it might be to cover interruptions or an unexpected increase in demand. So, purchases are planned so working capitals manage more efficiently. There's normally a certain pattern to sales over the year. And holding stock can also suit suppliers that want a longer lead time. So, other advantages of holding it would include it's ready to use as inputs to sell. You don't need to rely on just in time deliveries. There's a lot of opportunity for discounts. You can take advantage of a growing market. And inputs and components that are able to be used as spare parts are required can be used easily. There are problems with holding stock, however. There's warehouse expenses for storage and security. There's also the problem that inventory may become obsolete. So if an electronics business held a large stock of iPhone 8 phones ready for Christmas, it would have found that the stock was made obsolescent by the development of XR and XS. So the value of stock would fall significantly as a current asset. There's also the issue that perishable items such as food may spoil. LIFO So LIFO is last in first out. This method is for goods that have no use by date. So machinery part is a perfect example. It's actually an accounting method of recording inventory costs. So the reality of inventory management is quite different from calculating costs for the financial statements. So the LIFO method is used to determine a more accurate cost of inventory per unit over the financial year. FIFO First in first out, assumes that the first stock that has been purchased is the oldest and that will be sold first. So it's much more appropriate for perishable items such as food and drink. So if there's a supermarket where the oldest stock that has to be sold before it reaches its use-by date, that's placed at the front of the shelf. JIT, just in time. So this is to hold as little stock as possible and only bring in the stock when it's required. This reduces the impact on working capital because less liquidity is locked up as inventory, but it also improves the efficiency overall. So people would have sophisticated scheduling software to plan production, and electronic data interchange is used for this. But a disadvantage, obviously, is that if a supplier experiences a problem, the entire production schedule is disrupted. The benefits of just-in-time are reduced costs of storage, increased liquidity as less cash is tied up in stock, Reduced chance of stock becoming obsolete. Reduced chance of perishable stock spoiling. Less warehouse space needed. And less time spent on actually checking products. Quality management. So quality management would mean the product provided by a business is reliable, it's durable, it doesn't have defects, it gives you value for money, and it does everything that is claimed on the advert. So for a customer-focused business, which most would be, Every good made or provided is consistent in its quality. If it's a service-based business, generally they're measured in satisfaction with customer service, so you must ensure the outputs are consistent, durable and reliable. To achieve a competitive advantage, your business must choose your performance objective to have products of a superior quality. If that's not the case, then as we talked about earlier, your quality must be consistent. So this is measured by customer returns, poor sales, product recalls and repairs which will be significantly expensive if things don't go right which damage your reputation so in australia products must be fit for purpose for where they were intended or how they were intended so it must be able to do what the business claims and this legislation includes the competition and consumer act 2010 and the fair trading act 1987. the government will require certain businesses that provide services so nursing homes, builders, must be licensed or certified, which gives you that peace of mind. And the three main approaches to quality management are quality control, quality assurance, and quality improvement. Quality control. So for a business that discovers too late it's been selling poor quality or defective goods, the consequence will be lost customers, damaged goodwill, expensive warranty. So quality control is checking transformed and transforming resources. And the controls take place at three different stages, feed forward, concurrent, and feedback controls. So feed forward would be careful planning before the production. So an example would be if it's a hamburger outlet, they may check the size of the buns on arrival for bakery before they even go in the production line. Concurrent are used during the work in progress. So this might be a soft drink manufacturer using laser beam technology to check they've all been filled to the right levels. Feedback controls involve checking the final product after production or delivery. So this may be a customer survey which is included with the product. And with the use of batch numbers and codes, firms can check where the problems exist, so technology has really helped with this. Control involves establishing evaluation procedures and setting standards. So what a firm may do is they may compare their performance to other businesses in the industry by using the industry average as their benchmark. So many professional occupation associations have established standards, and they set out the minimum level of service. Effective benchmarking ensures they identify where the quality problems are occurring, research the leading businesses as an example, determine the industry standard for quality, and implement the changes to achieve the benchmark. So businesses try and establish why the variations have occurred, and they look at both internal and external influences. Quality assurance, so this involves establishing and using a set of procedures that prevent the product defects um, or errors in delivering services from occurring at all. So quality circles and work teams have been introduced, and this is an effective strategy to identify and discuss quality issues and solutions. If you have a quality endorsed company certificate, this lets people know that a quality management system has been used. The other advantages of obtaining this is that other businesses and organisations would rather deal with suppliers with proven quality systems so the law does actually require businesses to accept responsibility for the goods and services they sell and a lot of industries are trying to be more competitive internationally in this way quality improvement so tqm total quality management relies on continuous improvement also referred to as kaizen which is used uh, widely in japan So rather than correcting, the controls are actually put in place to ensure poor quality goods never reach the consumer. Toyota are a big advocate of this. So the greatest success would come from getting the process right the first time and having zero defects. Quality circles is where regular meetings of a group of employees occur to discuss maybe issues arriving in the workplace. So a meeting of all staff could be called in the morning to review the quality of the previous day's operations. There may be suggestions from staff or they may discuss quality issues and in this is a focus on continuous small improvements and there's a careful review of the actions of competitors and any innovative measures that may have taken place so it's highly beneficial to the industry and to the company through benchmarking many businesses compare themselves with the rest of their industry they then study the best operational procedures used by their competitors And through world's best practice, they may compare their productivity and performance with the highest standards achieved by the businesses worldwide. So improvements in quality can be measured using key performance indicators. These vary between industries and often based on industry benchmarks of what's commonly accepted either in Australia or internationally. So these key performance uh, indicators may include the number of defects, the number of warranty claims, repeat customers, number of accidents working hours lost, or maybe customer feedback, which is positive. Overcoming resistance to changes. This includes driving forces and restraining forces. So driving forces push towards the need for change, whereas restraining forces hold the business back. So the challenge here for management is identifying and developing strategies to overcome the resisting forces. In operations, the resisting forces may be costs and inertia. So costs may be purchasing new equipment, redundancy payments, retraining costs, reorganizational costs if you are going to change the layout of your plant or your factory. People in the business can react emotionally to change, like anything in life, and rather than embrace those changes and the challenges, they want things to remain as they are, which can be a problem. Purchasing new equipment. So management needs to be aware of any technological change. Not all developments are appropriate, And managers must assess the cost of the installation, the impact on production, any expected profitability. Several technological changes may not be easy to put into place, but there may be a long-term reduction in operating costs, decreased time delays and faster decision-making. Redundancy payments. So an employee redundancy is when they're no longer required because their job no longer exists. It may have been replaced by new technology. So in Australia, the repayments are legally required in the following circumstances. So if there's an award or enterprise agreement, the business is not a small business, so if it has more than 15 employees, or the employees worked full time and continuously for 12 months or more. Retraining. So when changes are made to the business, a consideration may be the cost of retraining staff so they're productive, work efficiently and effectively. Even when it's successful, there's still a period of adjustment as employees improve their familiarity with the new equipment or new technology. So it may be extended or an extended period of time before the employees are back to productivity levels that they had before. These are the hidden costs. Without the training, the new benefits of technology really won't be fully realised. Reorganising plant layout. So a business may change from a process layout using assembly lines to a product layout. So this is where the product remains in a fixed spot, and all the inputs and components converge, so meet together at a central location when it's assembled. The plant layout may have to change to manage more product variety or volume. Huge changes will occur to the layout if the business uses a highly repetitive operation to then change to using batch production or for individual jobs. This will be really significant. Another example could be if you're reorganizing a display in a shop, changing a layout of a dining room or a kitchen. The cost of reorganizing can be a disincentive to change, so it can make change a negative. It can halt production while the equipment is physically moved. So it's not always a benefit to reorganize the plant layout, but it can have a lot of benefits too. Inertia. So change obviously creates uncertainty and risk, and employees may resist change. They don't want to be de-skilled. They don't want to lose their job. They definitely don't want a higher workload. And they don't want to lose their work environment they're used to. So the bosses may also have fears about the financial future of the business. And they don't know whether this change is going to be more competitive or not. So if the business has had a history of change for the sake of change, inertia is going to be a greater resisting force. So operations management has to make sure this is positive. They need to, be, they need to understand these driving forces, whether it's globalisation, technology, Population, social attitudes, could be the law. These are all external drivers of change. So managers need to ensure they motivate and communicate with staff, encourage that staff are participating in the decision making, giving training, maybe even counselling, negotiating, manipulating, even coercing people. So strategies that management may use could include retraining programmes, work teams or flattening the organisational structure. Global factors, so globalization can present many cost saving opportunities for management. Global factors are another external influence on business and must be managed to reduce the additional risks. So operation strategies must respond as the international business environment changes. And global factors that can influence the operations are the opportunities to obtain inputs from cheaper sources overseas, expand and achieve economies of scale and develop new products for an international market. Global sources, so influences from overseas, lead to a need to invest considerably in searching and researching suppliers. A lack of experience in international transaction could be a problem. There could be language and cultural barriers, increased lead times, less control over the quality of inputs, and the possibility that competitors may also use the same supplier. A global web strategy is where you source inputs from the cheapest regions, obtaining finance from the country with the lowest interest rates or distributing products to any nation that wants them. So a key type of global web strategy is where the business has each input made in the country that makes the inputs at the best quality and the lowest price. So a global business which uses a global web strategy will probably locate its financial headquarters in a well-developed country such as the United States and get their inputs from around the world. They'll produce in the country with the cheapest labor costs and export to its global market. A perfect example being Nike. Economies of scale. So developing economies of scale would reduce your production costs by increasing your size. So the larger the size of the business, the cost of making each individual product will actually decrease. Through global expansion, you can achieve production by having larger manufacturing facilities, moving close to the raw materials or delivering services to a larger market. So by increases in size, the, inc- the business spreads its cost over far more units. Bigger can mean cheaper, but only up to a certain point. So diseconomies of scale will occur, where inefficiencies are caused by complex operations and the loss of direction. So in very large dispersed organisations, decision making can slow down, because there's more people involved. An Australian manufacturer may join with a foreign based supplier to give both businesses advantages of economies of scale. Scanning and learning. So, by monitoring the global environment, managers have an informed basis to make strategic business planning decisions. So, China's a cheap manufacturing location. But recent studies actually showed that Shanghai has become a more expensive place to do business. So what people might do is look at Zhejiang or Jiangsu which border China's commercial center, so production can be shifted to these cheaper regions. So businesses must be aware of developments in global demand for goods and services, where the supplies of transformed and transforming resources come from, any new manufacturing processes, new competitors, new products and services, and any changes to labor and environmental protection laws. <laughs> Research and development, otherwise known as R&D, this is an innovation strategy which leads to the creation of new products and the improvement of existing ones. So this is crucial to any long-term survival and a business can't stand still once it's launched a product. So when you reach the end of your life cycle, a product may become obsolete and competitors will release new products. R&D actually extends the product life cycle, fills any gaps in the markets and new products can be launched as well. So the advantages would be it opens up new markets internationally, gives you a reputation as a leading innovator, reduces your costs, improves your quality, motivates your workforce, gives you breathing room to develop other new products. So innovation is not just limited to products. Your process innovation can lead to the development of the operations function itself giving benefits to the business. Some of the problems with R&D, though, may send the business in a direction away from its normal function. It can take up valuable financial resources. And there is an opportunity cost of what other projects the money could be spent on. So marketing, it could be taken away from that. It can be wasteful as some projects may never make it. There may also be commercial conflict between rival companies. So what you're looking at is eliminating your competitor rather than supplying to the market. There may be ethical issues with this and the businesses must have the technical ability for this as well. So any business that invents a new product needs to protect its intellectual property. An international patent would give you 20 years protection from anyone copying your idea. But there are limits to research and development because it is a long-term higher financial risk strategy. But other constraints include the cost and availability of new technology, pressure from shareholders and the lack of competition in the market and resistance to change. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. You did really well to get to the end of that. Fantastic. It was a very long podcast with a lot to take in. Really important that you understand every part of it. And if you get this podcast, you probably will understand operations strategies. Thank you so much for joining us. And I really hope this helps with your HSC business studies. And see you next time.